Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I did not plan this, but I am going to take it just as it is. Today on the calendar is actually Pentecost celebrated. I know here, here in the U.S. we don't really recognize. I've kind of caught that part of the calendar as we lived in Europe because Ascension is a, um, is a holiday throughout the country of Switzerland and in many countries in Europe, and, and, and the kids got out of school. Uh, and... Uh, because they're still in until the end of June. Y'all, y'all that think you get out late here, you would still have another month to go. And everyone's just like, really? Yeah, you would. But Ascension was, I mean, is a recognized holiday. And as I've told some of you, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a, um, with a father whose kids were at the same international school as ours, as we walked in, he asked in his Australian accent, what was this holiday about anyway? He says, what is this ascension? What is it about? Oh, glad you asked. And as we walked and we were with a group of other parents, we were able just to share with him what this holiday was about and the reason that Jesus ascended in front of many witnesses. And his response was, um, he said, oh, I guess I probably should have remembered that from Sunday school one time, but he said, I'm glad I know now. Um, and we didn't talk much after that. Their family moved back to Australia not long after that, but I was grateful for the Lord for one of those dates on the calendar that gave an opportunity for the gospel to be shared. And so today, this is another one of those dates on the calendar that many of us will pass right over. Um, and Pentecost um, is that turning point, change in history for us. It's that pivot. And it is where we call the birth of the plan of God in his church that comes about. And for us, it should not be this day that we just kind of fall off and don't remember. It is one of those once and for all days that we celebrate. You said once and for all? Yeah, we celebrate Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? In essence, it is that once and for all day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. He's not going to come and be born again. We celebrate his birth. We celebrate Good Friday. Why do we celebrate, celebrate Good Friday? It is because once and for all, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It didn't feel good for him, but it was good for us. And so we celebrate it repeatedly, but it's a once and for all event. We celebrate Easter. Same way is the resurrection. And we celebrate that once and for all. Jesus is not coming to die and be resurrected again. That is not something, even though we repeatedly celebrate and honor it, it was a once and for all event. And so it was Ascension, although we here don't celebrate it. People in other parts of the world do. It's, it's a once and for all. Jesus ascended. 
He's not going to come back and ascend and come back and ascend. He ascended, knowing that he will one day descend because the angels told us. And then today we are celebrating on the calendar of Pentecost. It was a once and for all event. And I know there's a lot of debate about what, what means, but that once and for all event when God brought, gave, introduced, and the Spirit, and, and, and the Spirit of God entered into, into humanity. And instead of coming down and leaving for acts of service, he would stay and empower forever. And so today, the title for today's message is The Power, I'm sorry, The Promise Fulfilled at Pentecost. The promise fulfilled. What promise? You remember, Jesus promised when he was <clears throat> at, we call the Lord's Supper, when he, and, and as he was teaching that night, them that he would send the spirit he said i must leave it because if i don't go the spirit cannot come and they were like where are you going lord and as he gave them and he told them what the spirit of god what the spirit of god what the holy spirit would do and we, we had our messages on that and if you have any doubts come to our bible study we are right in the middle of that to mount the role of the Holy Spirit. And so here it was. Now he was giving them this instruction. And then after the resurrection, he gave them that command before he ascended and said, wait, don't go just yet. I know you all excited by me standing here in front of you. Resurrected, you know I'm real, I'm not a ghost. But he tells him, the first thing, I would be like, but I'm ready to run. He said, no, wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait because I got someone for you. You need to wait until you are empowered, are endowed, are, are enabled with power from on high, power from heaven. And when you are empowered, here's what's going to happen. So recap, you will be, he didn't say you will witness, you will be a witness. Your very life, and yes, there will be times that you would speak and you would proclaim his word, his death, but you would be a witness with all of who you are. And you're witnessing, initially, those that he was talking to, those there, you will be a witness here, just a little bit further, further, and then he said, to the outer parts, to the ends of the earth, everywhere. Your witness will go. And we said as we started this whole series that it is, that, that it is mission unstoppable, that, that, that Christ in his commissioning has sent us out and, and, and what he has commissioned and who he has commissioned cannot be stopped. So I also said last week, although your part in it may end, the mission does not. We have had many people that in the, in the following of Christ, that their mission, their part in it has come to an end. They have left this earth. They have gone on. And sometimes we get really sad that those that have had a big part, a heavy part of the mission in our time leave. 
I had that happen for me is someone who I've read much of his work and I've loved how the Lord has used them, has gone home to be with the Lord in uh, former pastor and writer Tim Keller. And it was, it was hit. I was like, wow, that, wow, Lord. When the Lord reminded me, he was part of the mission. He was not the mission, nor did the mission rest on him. And although your heart is sad, and although the contributions that God has allowed him to make go on and on, the mission doesn't stop. And it's a reminder for you and I, we can be a part of the mission, or we can choose to try and hinder the mission. We can choose to not believe that, that, that there's a viable mission. And Jesus is like, that's on you. But this mission won't be stopped until it comes to an end. But he told them to wait because in and of themselves, they could not accomplish this. I love that. See, he could have said, y'all see me, I'm resurrected, I'm back, I have all power. And we all would say, hey, we're ready. I'm gonna do this. We gonna get up the strength. We done seen the resurrected Christ. Now let's go and live for him. Mm-mm. Because the issue is, as much desire as we think we have, we cannot accomplish what he has called those who follow and embrace him to do without being empowered. Thus he said, wait. And while I'm waiting, what happens? He says, wait until you get that power, and then you do. You'll be my witnesses. And he says, not many days from now. I love that because don't, isn't that how the Lord deals with us when it comes to promises? Not many days from now. Lord, what does that mean? A day is like a thousand years with you. I know we like to say that a lot. I, you mean next year? You mean now? You mean next week? When? And I love that. He doesn't answer that. You just be obedient until you receive the promise. And that's what they did. And so in essence, what ends up happening is they go back to Jerusalem. We see that they're from, from, from Acts 1, 14, that they were a praying community, that, that, that they got together and that they devoted themselves, the scripture says, to prayer because they realized that whatever they were waiting for and, and, and whoever they were waiting for they needed to prepare themselves by being people of prayer. And then we get to chapter 2. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for your word today. And today being Pentecost, Lord, that we can be reminded of that change of the new covenant of the prophecy being fulfilled from the prophet Joel, Lord, who said, Lord, that you will put your spirit in us. Thank you so much. I pray that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be ready to receive. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> and so understand that as this day was coming about, Pentecost for us means now the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. But 
Pentecost was an actual feast at that time. One of the reasons that there were so many people in Jerusalem, one was the Passover 50 days prior that was remembered. And of course, we know that the Lord's Supper happened on Passover because he was the final Passover lamb. He was the final. And so Passover, and then what would happen 50 days later was termed by the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek-speaking or Greek-culturalized Jews, Pentecost. But what it was from Leviticus 23, it was to be called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. It was one of three what they called pilgrimage feasts in which all able-bodied Jewish men, if they could, were to make their way to Jerusalem for one of these feasts. And so Passover, yes, but, 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 um, but this particular one was for all those, thus you had more than usual in the city. It would have swelled up for Pentecost. What was Pentecost? The Feast of Weeks was one in which they were to bring the first fruits of their harvest before the sun. They were to bring the first fruits as a praise, as a grain offering to the Lord for what he had done for them in their crops. Because the crops, of course, is what would sustain. No crops, no food. No food, you die. And so the Feast of Weeks, or it had become known as the Feast of Harvest, was where you brought the first fruits. They were commanded in Leviticus 23. 15, 16, and they were to bring it, and they were to have this offering. They were to do several things with it. It was established back then, and he said, this is to go on and on. And so those first fruits of the harvest, I find it really interesting. It makes so much more sense now that the Lord would usher in his church and we would see some of those first fruits of the resurrection on the day when he commanded Israel to bring the first fruits for what he had done and how he had blessed them. And here it was, Passover had come by, final sacrifice, resurrection, Jesus now risen, and he knew that on Pentecost, he was going to flip and pivot that one to no longer be one where you had to worship the, you know, um, uh, worship and, and, and bring, your, um, bring your agricultural first fruits, but that he would bring about the first fruits and then many more in the lives that would be changed because the Spirit of God would enter into people now instead of coming among them. And so they didn't know what God, because he didn't tell them. They knew Pentecost was coming up. They knew what they needed to do, but they did not know what God had planned and that he would fulfill his promise to empower them so that they would become and be witnesses. They didn't know he would use one of the feasts that he set up to launch it, but that's God. See, he only tells you and I what we need to know. 
And so that's the backdrop. I love the fact that the backdrop was an event that was meant to be one of praise and one of an offering of praise. And on a time when God had intended for praise to reign, ooh, even greater praise would reign. Why? Because he was now getting ready to do something that would initially, of course, empower those, but would reach thousands of years to you and me. And we would sit in churches all over the world. We would sit in fellowships. We would sit in groups, some public, some hidden, some in plain sight, some out of sight. Why? Because the Spirit of God was coming to change everything that day. And so I say to you, too, as we even look through the events, sometimes we have lost our perspective and we are looking at the wrong things when we talk about this event. Not that those things are wrong, but we, are, we have our focus in the wrong place. And understand for the book, I said this before, it could have easily been called the acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Spirit of God working through the apostles, forming the early church, that gets us the book of Acts. And so we get started. And Luke just really starts, a matter of fact, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Actually, as it reads, it could actually read as the day of Pentecost. The Greek actually says as the day of Pentecost was fulfilled which is interesting. When we say arrive, oh, you know, Christmas come. But if I've says it's been fulfilled, you and I will say, well, what meaning were you giving to it that it's fulfilled? Well, we know now, and Luke is writing, of course, back historically, is that what God had intended to do to empower his, his saints, his believers, and would be that way from then on, he knew was happening and it would fulfill what God had planned and promised all along. So when Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So two things. God was fulfilling his promise. God was fulfilling his promise. And secondly, they were responding the way God had told them in unity together as a prayerful community. Here's what I love about them. I wrote this down. And so, number one was the backdrop. The backdrop is the day of Pentecost. The backdrop is that history, is that moment, is that time of celebration. But then two, the event was this community waited obediently because they were where God told them to be. They waited prayerfully Chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 actually tells me that they devoted themselves to prayer. And then they waited in unity. And I love that picture that God wants you and I to have of what would become the early church is that they waited for God to answer. They responded and, was, and, and were obedient to the words of Jesus Christ. Number one, and in their obedience, they were, prayer, they, were, they were prayerful, and then they were also unified. 
I don't know if they were asking, when is this going to end? When are we going to get to power? But here's what I love. That morning, like others, I knew it was morning because when Peter got up later, because everyone thought because of what had happened that they were drunk as they mocked him, Peter said, it is nine o'clock. And so here were people praying early as a unified group, as a body, obediently responding to the words of Jesus Christ. One of the things the Christian community must be known for, actually two things here, I'll include three. Obedience to the word of Christ, prayerful response to the word of Christ, and then they are living in unity because of Christ. And in that little sentence, that's what we get. We get an obedient group, a prayerful group, and a unified group. And nothing changes today. We're not waiting for the Spirit to come. He has come. But that, that description of this group is one that I believe is for us to keep and hold on to going forward. Obediently responding to the words of Christ we have in here in Scripture. Prayerfully responding as we wait on what the Lord wants us to do. And then whatever we do, we do it together. And it says, and then the event suddenly. Now, I'm going to take us back to Acts 1.8. And remember, Jesus says, wait until you are endued with power from on high. And now that promise is being fulfilled. So it says, and suddenly, and this is what I love. I wrote this down for myself. Suddenly means they didn't plan for it. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't do anything. It was like, like, like okay, let's kind of set up for the Lord to come and get here. No, suddenly, without expectation, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it, it being the sound, filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you have a miraculous event. You have some things here. You have, you have three displays of godly power. You have three displays that, that, that proclaim that the Lord was there. You had three displays. You had a sound, you had sight, and you had speech. What was the sound? First of all, it was not wind. A wind didn't blow through there. It said the sound like a rushing wind. Oh, we know how that is. How many of y'all have either been through praise the Lord, I've not, or have heard from people that have been through tornadoes. They will tell you, it sound, and I've heard it on several occasions, it sounded like a freight train was coming down the street. Well, you and I know there were no freight trains when the tornado was happening, but it sounded like it. And for us to put it in perspective is what Luke was doing. Those that were there was, was telling them, look, we, we, were, we were there 
We don't know what all they were doing, but probably in part praying because that's what they had been used to doing. What happens? He says, a sound like a rushing wind comes in into a room where the windows open. And it said that the sound filled the place. Let us be sitting in a room. That door closed. These windows don't open. And you hear sound of a rushing wind. Everyone's attention has been had. And it comes and it says a sound of a rushing wind. It says a sound from heaven which I'm still trying to figure out, how did you know that the sound was from heaven? Did it come from top down? Maybe. I don't know. But a sound from heaven filled the room. And if that didn't get your attention, it was the sound, the sight. It says what looked like. It wasn't, but what looked like. Tongue of fire entered, which, of course, you know, me being me, I was like, Lord, you knew who to show those tongues of fire to because I probably would have passed out. I'd be like, what is that? I probably would have ran. I heard the wind. I saw what looked like a tongue of fire. We know that it wasn't. And, it, and then it rested and it split because it said a tongue of fire. And then it went and rested on each one in the room. Now remember, there were about 120 gathered in that room. And so now the wind and his tongue that divided itself up and rested on each. And then after the sight, when you had a sound first, was the speech. And as the tongue rested, it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the shouting moment. Why? Because the promise that Christ gave is now being fulfilled. And as a result, something happened at that moment that had not happened like this any other place. There's one place where, where, where it happened similarly with Peter and Cornelius and the Gentiles, but it did not happen like this. And so what ends up happening is they begin to speak in other tongues. And here, these tongues are understood as the Spirit gave utterance, the event. So let's kind of break down that event because in part there's some of it, you know, some have really said and debated that this was almost a picture and a reminder of when of when God gave the law on Sinai. Some are relating it to that. Why? Because of the sound, because of what they saw on that mountain, and because of what they heard on that mountain was the giving. As a matter of fact, some people were celebrating around this festival of weeks. They were also celebrating the giving of the law at Sinai. And so what you have is if instead of the giving of the law, which you know you and I could never keep, we get the giving of the Holy Spirit that enables you and I to live out what we could not according to the law. And I'm looking at this event, and let me tell us where we focus our attention incorrectly, I strongly believe. 
we read all this. We read about the sight, I mean, the sound, the sight, the speech. You know, we, we read about how the tongue, you know, the, the tongue divided. We re- and what we focus on is the tongue. Can I tell you what the focus of that, even grammatically what the focus of that is? It's not the tongue. It's the Holy Spirit. The focus of that text is the Spirit of God's arrival. Talk about a grand entrance. The Spirit of God's arrival and the effect of him coming. And the way he chose the effect. And so we had this event. And then I want to get into the effect of the event. What did that event do that we should focus on? I love this. Look at the part. He says, verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Oh, stop for a second. Do you think it got by God that all these different nations were there at that time on that day when he knew what he was going to do, ushering in the Holy Spirit entering into our lives. Do you really think that that was by chance? That verse 5 reminds me of Revelation where John said, I saw standing there every nation, every, come on y'all, tongue, and every tribe standing before the throne. God's intention of the gospel going out and reaching a global, multi-ethnic view world people. What do we see it here? Right here at the entrance, at the initiation of the Holy Spirit into the lives of believers. The intention was because of the power of the Holy Spirit, all nations will be affected. And they are. Sitting in this room right now, we have different ethnicities and nations of origin represented. The work of the Spirit was never meant to be mono-ethnic. Never, ever. From the inception, God entered into a place where when he said every nation under heaven now, let's, let's, let's help ourselves. He says, he meant Americans, we weren't around then. He meant, you know, he meant we weren't around then. Think of it from Luke's vantage point in the Roman world, that was considered all the nations under heaven. Luke was writing from his vantage point, not ours. And so from him standing there, he said every nation under heaven was in that room, was in that place. And the sound drew them all in. The sight stunned and amazed them, and the speech just blew them away. Because what happened? What was the effect? Here was the effect. They said, and verse 6, and at this sound, the multitude came together. In other words, they came into that room, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them, who? The ones in the room, speak his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Let me translate that for you. 
Galileans were not known to be cultured. They were not known to be in the center of education. See, today we would go, no offense to anyone, they would go, aren't those those un uneducated country folk? Aren't those, those uncultured people? Wait, 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 Galileans, aren't they from the backside of the mountain? Them, those people? How on earth are these uncultured people in this room from these outposts that we don't even consider on the upper level of anything, speaking all these different languages all at once. After we heard this strange sound and we see this even stranger sight, we hear something tremendously strange, but what they hear is what we should remember. What is it that they hear? He says, and how is it, verse 8, that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and, res and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. See, here's what we hear. And boy, does it bring back <laughs> thoughts and visions of Babel. Because Babel was that time because of man's disobedience that God confused languages because they were using same language to rebel against God. Now you see the reverse. Because of Christ and what he's done and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, now he is speaking one thing to everyone because it's what you needed to hear. And what is that? The wonders of God. What are the wonders of God? It just happened. Jesus Christ being fulfilled as the ultimate sacrifice. Sins paid for. Y'all need to know. Here's what I'd like to, us to focus on. The day of Pentecost was the day that God showed his intentions to reveal his plan of salvation to the world. And he did it in grand demonstration and fashion. He did it by using unassuming, quote-unquote, uneducated people to proclaim his word to a world. They, they would go back to their different parts talking about this event because you and I both know we would be going back talking about what happened in Jerusalem at the Feast of Weeks at Pentecost and how these uncultured, uneducated folk blew our minds talking about God and his wondrous works. And can I tell you that still stands today? See, God will use your education, but your education is not why he chose you. God will use your career, but your career is not why he chose you. Your family upbringing, your status, where you live, where you're from, your ethnicity, he will use it, but that's not why he chose you. He chose you and I from his own prerogative so that he would display to the world using us some by shock, those uneducated folk, and some by shock, 
those educated folk, he will do both. Because in that room, they talked about the Galileans, but later they would talk about this very highly educated guy named Paul. Or Saul, who changed his name to Paul when he met Christ. And they would talk about him that although highly educated, was still proclaiming the same Christ that the uneducated did. What's the picture? God's intent to reach the world is to use people that will demonstrate that the power is from him and not from them. And he still does that today. And so we still have no excuse. As long as you have received the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer if you have not. You're not a Christian if you have not. It's not a thing of status. It is a thing of life. There is no understanding of truth without the Holy Spirit. There is no salvation in us without, yes, the finished work of Christ, but accomplished and, and actually done in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. There is none of that. There is no power for service without the Holy Spirit. There is no living Christ-like without the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no character. There is no fruit of the Spirit. We're getting ready to get into that in Bible study. There is no fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. There are no gifts of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. And so what he's telling us today, that the promise was fulfilled at Pentecost. And here's why, like, they were all filled. I've grown up in a context where, I'll say this uh, you know, uh, that really delicately, but I grew up in a context and had been around some friends in a context where they were waiting again for the Holy Spirit. Wait, you need to tarry so you can wait for the Holy Spirit. And I thought, y'all, he came. If you want to be a prayerful community, yes, be one. If you want to be a devoted and committed to Christ community, but if you are waiting for Christ to come, how many of y'all have children in this room present right now? Are you still waiting for them to come? Are you still waiting? They're here. The Holy Spirit is here. And he is here to cause us to proclaim the wonders of God to a diverse world. And we proclaim with our lives, using our words, but ultimately using the power that God gave that day. But let me tell you something at the end. Just because you're filled, just because the Spirit is in your life, doesn't mean you won't have opposition and people that just don't get it. Because we had to hear that day. Okay, here, help me out. If I saw, heard a sound that sounded like wind, but there was no wind, like none, saw a tongue of fire that divided over 120 people, but it wasn't a tongue of fire. That's, that was my best description. And then heard you proclaim God in mine and other people's languages when you yourself have not risen to that level of education. My response is shock and awe, but I don't get the response of some 
But what that tells me is that even in the presence of, the, of, of this glorious demonstration of God at work, you will have people that don't get it and don't be turned away because of it. Don't be turned off. Oh, they didn't get it. Oh, how do I know they didn't get it? And all were amazed, verse 12, and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're all filled with that new wine. They got that new juice. Boy, they done sauced up early. And I'm thinking, okay, help me out, because that was, frankly, kind of dumb. When a person gets drunk, do they get smarter? Do they become more intelligent? So you get drunk and you start speaking five different other languages. What? Partly because I know they didn't understand most of the languages, only theirs. They're laughing, oh man, look, man, they on that new wine, boy. We would say today, what they smoke? They smoking that good stuff. And Peter answers them where we pick up next week. I love this. I was like the silliness, the downright stupidity of ignorance. But that's how we look when we try to comment on the wondrous power of God displayed in humanity. We look foolish as they did. God is saying to you and I, don't worry about them. Peter answered them because he wanted to set the record straight. But understand, this was above their education grade. I love this today. People will divide over the power of God because they want no part of it. But what their demonstration showed us is, boy, this mission is unstoppable. We are now empowered and we are getting ready to see that first response. It's going to be like, ready, set, go. And I love it. So for you and I today, here's, here's, here's a takeaway for us. Have you been empowered by the Holy Spirit? Through salvation, allowing him to fill you. And so please don't let that feeling think that it's a once and the, the once and for all coming was that the Spirit of God indwells humanity. But then in, in Ephesians, it talks about this perpetual filling. Because the way the text is written, when it says, be, be you filled with the Spirit, it is a continual. And that is more being influenced, being, being, being governed by. But here, that was the entrance into the family of God. Your filling or your baptism. John, when he said... John the baptizer said, I baptize with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, you will be baptized. You will be immersed. You will be indwelt. And you and I today that know Christ, that have trusted him as Savior, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And whatever God desires to happen in and through you, can if you would allow it obediently, prayerfully, and in unity. So for you and I today, what are we going to do? Are we going to live out 
in this power or are we going to act like we don't have any power? And we're going to act like it depends on us and it is all up to us. It's not. What he did, we had nothing to do with but to be obediently in the right place. And once they were, he did everything else. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.